JV Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 84 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about digital vehicle inspections with Jim O'Brien from Raven AI. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JV Knowledge, is all about technology that is transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific technologies that we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. And here we are as we record this. It is Friday, uh, April 8th, 2022. I am joined by two fellow Texans, Rob Galbraith over in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Rob, how's it going? It's beautiful. Uh, James, this is a, a wonderful time of year, springtime in Texas. The blue bonnets are out. But uh, for any of you mm, affected by there. allergies, it has been the pollenocoplex. I don't know how to cause I say it, but I've, I've seen it on Twitter. Uh, just the trees, just this. I mean, it's honestly <laughs> so thick you can shovel it in a lot of cases. So uh, it's making many of us miserable. Uh, yeah, this is the time of year uh, that I uh, that I, I triple dose on every allergy med in the cabinet. Also with us, uh, a recent import to the state of Texas. We will uh, we'll take him though, Jim O'Brien, from over in Austin, Texas. Jim, how's it going? Yeah, right on. New to Texas, it's going great. Good to join you guys today. Does the air feel? Does it smell like less taxes to you? Does it when you? It's like oh, I'm 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 paying less for my government here. <laughs> yes, it does. And and when we first came to Texas uh, in March, we we collectively as a family took our masks off too. So yeah, it was a big change. We moved from the D.C. area. Yeah, we don't where, wear we don't wear those here. <laughs> yeah, right. And all of a sudden, my kids are like, "No, I got to go to school." So wait, what? Um, so it's been great. We love it. Uh, Austin's been really welcoming and a great place to uh, grow a new company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a different world over here in Texas. There's a reason that uh, over a thousand people a day are moving to the state, uh, and so we're uh, we're happy to have you. I I imported myself here uh, from Louisiana 25 years ago myself, uh, and uh, never never looked back. I, I go visit my parents all the time, but uh, love 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 being over here in the great state of Texas. So I'm glad that you're uh, you're joining. Uh, Rob imported from Michigan. I came from Louisiana. You from uh, DC area. But uh, hey, we're we're all here. So uh, let's let's talk about some insure tech before we do. Uh, I want to remind everybody out there in listener land. If you're watching this on one of our live streams on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or on the video channel in uh, Vimeo, uh, you can actually subscribe to the audio version by texting Geek Out to six six eight six six. That's G E E K O U T Geek Out. To 66866. Make sure you never miss an episode of the Insure Tech Geek podcast by texting that now. And back to our guest, uh, Jim O'Brien, Raven AI. Now, for those of you who like to open the website and check it out while we are talking, that is R A V I N dot AI, Raven AI. And of course, their website says it best building the world's most advanced digital vehicle inspections. Uh, with us today, again, Jim O'Brien. He is the general manager of North America at Raven AI. He is currently in Austin, Texas. And, and Jim has an interesting background. Uh, I'm going to ask him some more about it. But, Jim, you know, you, you, you've spent some time in the automobile business, uh, both as um, an EVP and division general manager uh, over at TrueCar. You were at Audi of America for three years. 
Um, you were at Sonic Automotive, Lane Logic, Open Lane, uh, iMotors.com back in 97 to 2000. Of course, that's when we put the letter I in everything and the .com behind everything during the .com boom, and we'll have to talk about that. Uh, so you've you've been around. Uh, it looks like it all started back at AT Kearney where you were focused on automobile strategy, automotive strategy, and then ended up going industry after being a consultant. But let's wind back even farther than that. Uh, you got a degree in philosophy, which I want to talk about for a second, from Wittenberg University, and then you got an MBA from Wake Forest. So let's tell me, where did you grow up, and what led you to get a degree in philosophy? I grew up in Connecticut, um, and um, I ended up at Wittenberg because I really wanted to play lacrosse in college. Um, so that was driving that decision. And then when I got to college, I realized um, I need to choose a, a study beyond playing lacrosse. And, um, you know, philosophy was something, you know, my dad really encouraged um, me to be a good thinker. And I found early on that the logical approach to breaking down arguments, to understanding um, the Socratic method and other things I, was a very good fit with me. I'm, I'm, I'm really a true operations guy. And so I found operations in philosophy um, and, and, and I actually found it um, really interesting and exciting to, to combine with lacrosse. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, you know, sports, there, there's, there's a lot of philosophy uh, involved in sports. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, it, I think philosophy touches every, if you, if you really are a student of it. Um, I had a really transformative computer science teacher in high school named Ron Dupuy, and he spent 30 to 40% of the time in our computer science classes for four years in high school because I went to a high school for engineers. It was a very nice. technical high school, but we, he, we, I did four years of comp sci. He spent at least 30 to 40% of the time on f philosophical debates because he actually had a undergrad and a master's in philosophy he actually went to seminary, a Catholic seminary, just didn't graduate because he didn't become a priest, and he went into teaching. And so we spent a lot of time talking about why we do things, not just what we do when we build software, but, but why. And uh, I, I remember some of our most vigorous debates were not about code or coding or what software language, but, but about why we were doing things to begin with. And so I think philosophy is a wonderful basis uh, in general. It teaches you how to think right? And uh, yeah. how to think about things. And how to build an argument, you know, and, yeah. and, and sort of the, the importance of being able to support the argument and, and those kind of things. So yeah. it was a good foundation. Um, so it, it looks for... like, mm -hmm. no, ahead. no, it was a good foundation for what you, what, what came later, right? Cause you, it looks like you jumped straight, yeah. straight into consulting and advisory, right? Yeah. So what I did um, after Wittenberg um, was um, I actually went to work in a manufacturing plant so i had the i had the good fortune of um, my parents really kind of instilling in me two things you know education and then second thing education and then you know probably the third thing education and then maybe if there was a fourth thing it was it was love what you do you know my dad really successful dude loved what he did like just just loved his job and um and you know, I think he tried to pass that along to me and I picked up on some of that. Um, and so um, what I was after, after Wittenberg was, hey, you know, I love the car business. I, I love cars. And so I got to do something with cars. And I was fortunate to um, get a role at uh, a Toyota manufacturing plant in Long Beach, California, 
moved out to um, L.A. and could walk out as a production control planner, got a lot of training in the Toyota production system and just in time, which was super hot at the time and Kanban and Kaizen and um, and 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 just loved walking out on the on the plant floor and feeling the metal presses take sheet metal uh, or, you know, uh, rolled metal and 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 press it into parts. And um, so that's kind of where the, the, the automotive bug there was a spark already there, but I really got it and got some great training at Toyota um, and learning in Toyota production system just in time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that that movement hit software about 20 years later <laughs> um, in the yeah. fo- in the form of Agile. And of course, now Agile, Agile method methodology and Agile Kanban systems, you know, they use Kanban boards. I mean, it's it, yeah. it took about two decades for people to realize that we could manufacture software with a lot of the same principles and philosophies that the Japanese pioneered. Um, I'm a big fan of Lean and uh, Toyota Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's there's some really really neat neat stuff out there. What uh, what led you through um, the the automotive? So you went to be a consultant, and then you decided mm-hmm. to go into industry and actually start working for some of the companies you were consulting with. I mean, what was the the transition there? Yeah, I I had um you know I'd spent my the year be, uh, between my first and second year of business school. Uh, I worked at JD Power in uh, in in Tokyo of all places. And so had always kind of stayed, um, you know, in the industry. Even when I joined AT Kearney, I was with the automotive practice most of the time um, and, um, and, and did things, you know, mainly in kind of C-level suite, like AT Kearney projects typically are, are, you know, with people thinking about strategy and penetrating new, par- new markets and, and, and continue to get a lot of training in how difficult strategy is um, and how important it is to, um, you know, to understand um, facts have to base, you know, be supportive of some of these strategic choices. Um, so have always kind of um, been in the automotive space and consulting to get exposure to a lot of different things. Um, and then, and then I left um, consulting to start the, um, you know, the, to, to join the iMotors team. And that's when I got the startup bug. To combine with all that yeah well that was that and that was during the dot-com boom uh there was a it, yeah it was a it was an exciting time in technology and then it was a scary time when the whole economy collapsed and the technology kind of led the way down the collapse of the stock market it was not totally totally yeah i i motors was a paul allen funded uh venture oh um nice mr allen i believe is now passed um bless his heart but um vulcan venture so you know we were, we were right there in the bubble. Like it was, you know, we were going to change the world and it was a lot of fun, a lot of learning, um, and a lot of hard work, um, went into that. Uh, but you're right. It was, it was the go, go days. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really was. Well, yeah. Paul Allen passed away in October of 18. Um, Seattle legend, okay. ob- obviously co-founder of Microsoft, uh, you know, best buddies with Bill Gates and super into music. Uh, built some awesome stuff up yeah. in Seattle, and uh, I'm a I'm a huge uh, huge fan of his. So uh, yeah, yeah, but, and he was a big boater too. So you know, I have a, oh I, yeah, I do have a, um, 
a love of boating. And he was like one of the first billionaires to like go big on these yachts. <laughs> yeah. Paul Allen was a cool guy. Yeah, he led the way. Of course, Oracle <clears throat> followed followed suit there and uh, got, yes. got, got yeah, <laughs> big, big big time, both on sailing and in motor yachts. So you, you progressed yeah. through a, a bunch of different companies after that, but you you wound up in right. – uh, you know, three three years at True Car, and then and then uh, just over four years, almost five years at uh, BMW Financial Services. Three years at Audi. So, what what did you learn through all this time in automotive? Like, what was your focus, and where'd you really where'd you really uh, um, focus your time? Yeah, so um, I became um, I, I became an expert in the used car business, and um, you know, I had to explain to my mom over time, who also has now passed, um, and and I had to explain to her that 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 that's because the used car business is really what um, is is the heart of the business, and the used car business really is is kind of what makes a lot of things tick in um, in the auto business. So really, um, I started to gravitate more and more to projects and to opportunities around the used car business, and then uh, developed a specialty, um, a knowledge base around combining technology. So, so much was going on with dealers changing and the websites becoming more and more important as your first showroom, your website is your first showroom, um, that um, the combination of the used car knowledge and the value chain in the used car with technology and how technology was going to, um, you know, introduce new tools to help manage that complexity in the used car business was um, the path that I've taken over the past um, decade or so. Awesome. And so let's let's go to Raven then. Um, tell sure. me tell me what Raven does and and why you chose to to make it your home for the last almost two years. So what Raven does is um, is allow um, a non-professional to do a, a professional vehicle inspection. And so that opens up a whole bunch of new opportunities, right? The way that we do that is through artificial intelligence and computer vision. We develop proprietary algorithms that, um, that, that allow, you know, what I call a robot, a machine to interpret um, via any mobile device um, a vehicle's condition. And so as soon as you um, are able to provide that technology, um, you, me, um, my wife, pick somebody, can, can use their phone, their mobile device, um, to complete an inspection that we normally would have uh, had sent a professional, um, someone who knows how to walk a used car, out to perform. Um, and so uh, I thought that that was a fantastic way of me in a doing you know, one more startup um, uh, in a great um, area of the business that I know very well. And I really like the leadership. So I decided to join Raven based on that market opportunity, but also based on the team that they had in place. Automotive inspections can be done for a lot of reasons. Can you walk me through all the use cases of why you would conduct an inspection of an automobile? Yeah, um, really, uh, if you think about the vehicle value chain, um, or the, sorry, the, the life cycle of a vehicle, there's there's an inspection that can happen in each of those. So a, a car is rolls off the factory floor when it's new, so it's born, 
and the vehicle is imaged and an inspection is done to make sure that the vehicle is delivering, you know, to the new car quality standards. Then the vehicle is transported to the marshalling center and then ultimately the dealership. And both of those pick up a drop off points, the vehicle is inspected. Um, the vehicle um, is then delivered to the customer. Uh, the customer obviously walks the vehicle and expects the vehicle to be in new car condition. Um, but then when the vehicle comes back in for service following that life cycle, um, the, the, the vehicle is inspected because the customer wants to make sure there's no damage uh, on the vehicle after they pick it up. But also the dealer uses those inspections to you know, help um, position different RO items um, for the customer, you know, repair order items to the customer about, hey, do you want to get this wheel fixed? Do you, um, do you understand what the sensor is saying about the condition of your car, et cetera? So just kind of following up on the idea of use cases, can you share a little bit about what your value prop is at Raven for the insurance industry? Yeah, so for the insurance um, um, space, what we do is, is speed um, uh, claim resolution, right? So so the, the, the insurer uh, partners that we're working with, it's all about how quickly that claim can be resolved, right? So if you're in an accident on the side of the road um, and the insurance company can send you a link to Raven technology for you to do a quick scan, then the insurance company can very quickly say, hey, you know, that's below your deductible or that's above your deductible, or more importantly, can much smarter route the vehicle where it's going to go hey that's just that's light repair so it can go here that's medium repair it can go there that's heavy so we'll send it uh to the other place or even you know that's got to go to the copart yard because it's salvage um so by providing that information at the site of the accident almost within minutes of um you know an incident occurring we can um uh speed that time to claim yeah, so you're you're really about getting the claim paid faster and being more accurate. Correct. Yeah, uh, thanks for for sharing that, Jim. Um, you know, for folks that go out to your website, you've got three uh, product brand names that you uh, talk mm -hmm. about: Raven Inspect, Raven Raven Auto Scan, and Raven Eye. And I was hoping maybe for our audience, you could just give us a little bit on what each product is and how they're different. Yeah, you bet. Um, so. Um, Raven AutoScan is um, an application where we use stationary cameras. So a vehicle would drive into a tunnel or a booth of some manner, and we have stationary cameras that are there all the time, all connected to the internet, and image the vehicle that way. Um, a Raven Scan is, is when that same, similar algorithm, similar uh, AI, is used but deployed through a mobile web app. So you can use um, a set of stationary cameras through AutoScan, and then Raven Inspect is um, when we deploy that similar technology on a mobile device. The I portal is um, how you interpret those results. So oftentimes, because we work with large organizations, we'll um, simply API a feed to them on all of the elements of the condition report. But um, smaller organizations, smaller fleet operators want to just come onto our website and see the condition reports, see the damage assessment, um, review it, maybe add elements to it. So the I is their portal that they can go in and see the results of the, uh, of the scan 
either captured via auto scan, the stationary cameras, or, or captured via some mobile device. Awesome. So how how accurate are you finding this is? I mean, let's let's really talk about this because you know there's going to be a lot of skeptics when you talk about uh, a technology uh, being this heavily involved in evaluation of a physical asset. Um, it's a great question, and it always comes up, right? So um, the accuracy rate um, is is important. And um, we can get into a lot of what we're doing to help improve there. Um, I can tell you that, um, as I was said at the outset, I've been at the organization a little over two years. The accuracy rate is dramatically better than what it was two years ago. I mean, you know, looking for a number, I, I, I give clients somewhere, you know, in the high 60s, low 70% as, um, as an accuracy rate, which means that uh, about 30% of your results um, need to be reviewed as what we call like a false positive. Yep. And what happens with the false positive is um, two things. The first one, there's four elements to each damage candidate, right? So the elements are the location, the part, the severity, and the type of the damage, right? A scratch, dent, nick whatever it may be so so that seven that 70 percent accuracy is when we're getting all four of those elements correct and that 30 percent inaccuracy is when we we may have one or more of those incorrect so it even with the 30 percent inaccurate uh if we use those numbers as 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 our guardrails for the discussion around accuracy um you may have you may have you know three of the four elements right and so the users are finding that adjusting to the false positive, there's still a pretty big leap forward in using the technology, although the robot isn't perfect and it needs to have some guides, right? Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about briefly on accuracy is, um, is really where Raven differentiates itself. So we have AI that operates in the cloud, and then we have AI that operates in the browser on the mobile device itself. So by operating in the browser on the mobile device itself, it becomes a part of that mobile scan experience and we can guide the user. We can sort of nudge the user in um, helping the AI interpret the condition of the vehicle. And we think that's a bit of a game changer um, and we're excited about the early reaction from our early clients about in you know interacting with that what we call the front end AI, which is you know operating in the browser, versus interpreting the results, where most of the rest of the industry um, um, just sort of delivers the results after the back end or the cloud based AI has interpreted those images. Yeah, and and we're we're seeing um, the emergence of a lot of this type of hybrid computing. Um, where, where you have because of the power of local processors and chipsets that are on mobile devices, you can actually perform a lot of the computation that you needed to, to do actually on the device itself, which is you know fantastic for speed and uh, and and you know wait times and you can offload server tasks. So from a technology perspective, it's uh, I think it's really exciting what's going on with mobile computing and really mobile chipsets and processors is why I was like really jacked up and excited about the Apple M1 chipset because it's it's so powerful and uh, they, they have dedicated chipsets just to AI functions, which is uh, is getting pretty exciting. Um, the thing that we're finding in, in, in the many conversations I'm having with clients is, is um, 
you know, with modern browsers, there's a lot we can do right there in the browser. So where what's really pretty cool about Raven is because it's it's a web app, right? And um, invoking an instance of the web app as part of another native app or even a some some you know web-based um, uh, flow becomes pretty easy and it really checks a lot of boxes, right? There's not a need to download um, a native app to to produce a Raven scan. Instead, we can just as long as you can open a browser, and even when you open a browser, we can we can operate and download software to the browser itself. So if you don't have a connection, you can still complete a scan because at the end we see consumers using this um, technology yeah. um, to, to walk their vehicles, right? And you're only gonna do that on a car at the most, maybe once every three years. So, so you're a one-time user, no point in downloading an app to do that. We can invoke it right through the browser. Yeah, Jim, I'm, I'm, uh, it's fascinating stuff. Um, and, uh, really exciting just to kind of see right where, um, the future of computer vision is, is heading in the auto insurance space. So from an insurance perspective, where are you generating the most interest, uh, in adoption? Is this, um, carriers, is it CPAs? Um, what kind of, you know, things are they looking to use it for? And then are there things that they're asking you that um, maybe you don't have today at a Raven AI, but you're kind of looking to develop in a feature uh, product roadmap? Yeah, I mean, clearly they, they want um, the UX to be um, farther along so that the one-time user can do it, right? And um, the way we positioned it is it, it, you know, it takes a little bit of finesse and understanding to learn how to use the technology correctly, right? So, so the developments ahead um, through, um, through, you know, user experience and, and on-string, on-string guidance, et cetera, will, will get us to that point. So clearly they want that ability and consumers want it too. And really pushing us hard to get to that. Hey, how do we get the guidance perfect so that anyone really can can, can do that scan? Because what we find is you could you need to use the app a, a few times, three or four times to get really good at it, right? Um, and so that that one-time user is um, is a challenge that we're we're still facing, and and, and clearly something that the, um, that that clients um, want now. Um, and you know, it, it it clearly is carriers that that uh, um, that that want this um, technology um, in place. It's interesting. Most of them have tried something, right? And like I said, two years ago, the accuracy rate, you know, was in the 40s, and now you know we're somewhere in the high 60s, low 70s. So so they understand that there's this journey, right? And and they understand that that things are happening quickly. So they have to check in frequently, whether or not they selected you, they need to sort of, hey, check in with you to see, well, what breakthrough have they, you know, um, uh, experienced? And, and, and so it's, it's a pretty cool um, uh, sales process because it's often a discovery. Hey, we wanted to check in with you. What's the latest? Tell us where this thing is going. And um, I think most of the companies have um, have understood that and said, hey, we need to have our, our toes in several different ponds. Not sure who's going to win this race, but we need to be 
in contact with people like Jim O'Brien so that he can explain to us and keep us abreast of where the breakthroughs are happening and um, and then how the breakthroughs can be applied in their environment. It's a very open thing. Um, and so that's encouraging and makes my job fun every day. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're right. I mean, just the um, pace of the technological change and capabilities is so rapid today that um, it's definitely a challenge to kind of keep up with. And even if it's not right for your organization today, just keeping it on the radar so it doesn't kind of fall you know, out of sight, out of mind, I think makes sense. Exactly. You guys are improving by, by leaps and bounds. And that makes and, sense and, in terms of the ultimate, right? Somebody gets in an accident and they, they do the inspection like right there at the scene of the accident, right? right. To kind of process what's going on and kind of get instruction from their their carrier in terms of, you know, what to, to do with that vehicle. That makes sense. It's kind of the ultimate use case. Yeah. And we've seen maybe a little bit more in the car business than the insurance space. Um, we've seen, at least in the car business, um, a, a huge appetite for the consumers to do more them, themselves. Right. And so there's this, there's this, there's this, um, there's this expectation that I should be able to go online and buy this car online and have it delivered to my house, right? Well, actually being able to do that is what we learned in COVID. Wow, there's a lot to do that we need to actually get that done. And I think that the insurance space is ripe for the same thing. They've seen, hey, we need to be able to do more of this on the web through technology, mobile devices, et cetera. And it's really caused this leapfrog ahead um, and, you know, people in the car business have said it really, you know, compressed what we thought was going to take five years. It took, you know, um, 12 to 18 months because we had to do it. And I think the insurance um, uh, providers that get that will 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 um, bring the innovation to the market faster than the ones that don't. Well, it's good. Uh, good conversation around this. Um, let's just close out with this, uh, Jim. What what do you see as the next logical step for this technology are we going to fully automated inspections with no human being inter intervention i mean i i understand the journey along the automation path and that humans still have to be involved do you envision a, a future where where one day we can we can automatically do the vast majority of these like 95 percent of these i mean is that is that the goal i think that is the goal um because what it allows the the vehicle to do is just turn faster Right. So wherever you have these places where the car is stuck, right, where the car isn't moving to its natural next step in the insurance space, that's either through the claim management process and the used car space. It's either a, you know, moving into reconditioning or to retail or whatever it may be. Um, adding automation to those steps um, is going to, you know, free up any bottleneck along the way. But in terms of the innovation, I think that there's there's this expectation that everything's just automatic. So just give it to me, you know, I'll wave my phone at the car and there's a condition report, right? And we've had a lot of consulting to do that. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Like you, you do need some guidance to show the the machine, the vehicle correctly. We, we talk a lot about what, um, that in our business, we see flip-flops, right? So someone's out scanning a car, and if you point that, that phone down, you're going to get a, an image of the flip-flops. And that might have been because their dog ran out or, you know, they got a phone call or whatever it may be. And using the 
artificial intelligence and the computer vision to guide the user how to interact with the robot is really the 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 the, the space that um, will deliver ultimately to that vision of hey you know it becomes automatic and I think that that's um, that's what we've learned that's where the marketplace I think will be going and and where I hope you know Raven has has a big place in the leadership position there well thank you for uh, for the discussion today again it's uh, raven.ai r-a-v-i-n.ai we do need to move on to news I've got two quick stories that I thought would be relevant to discuss today before I hand it over to Rob. Uh, Policy Genius, which again is a tech platform for insurance shopping, has launched an insurance product in collaboration with Forrester's Financial. Um, so the product is called Forrester's Your Term, and it provides consumers with a new way to access life insurance uh, quickly with underwriting decisions in less than 24 hours. And again, this is for larger policies like 100000 to a $1 million dollars. Um, and it sets 10, 15, 20, 25, 30-year term. So you're starting to see, um, again, uh, a bigger push and sometimes insurtechs jumping into actual insurance products, not just being uh, technology vendors. And that was from Fintech Global. Also from Fintech Global, insurtech startup Joe Flood launched back by Chubb. Uh, this is uh, Joe Flood Insurance Brokerage, JFIB. They launched a tech-based flood insurance wholesale brokerage um, backed by Chubb, um, and uh, they announced their status as a cover holder of Chubb European Group, and uh, so they're going to be releasing a quote platform. Um, technology will provide quotes and rate comparisons from many carriers and getting into flood. And so, uh, again, it, it's good to see. And when we talk about insure tech, it's a massive space because you you really have a lot of innovations uh, in every line of business, and and then you know, jurisdiction too. So you have a, you, you could really do a whole show just on certain lines of business uh, because of how deep it is. So you're seeing, um, uh, you know, movement in, in health and life. And you just saw an announcement about life insurance. And of course, this is an, uh, just an innovation around flood insurance. So good to be seeing all the different niches of insurance uh, do their thing and, and innovate and try and uh, digitize, not only digitize, but, but really uh, radically change the experience for the customer. Rob, what do you got this week? Yeah, absolutely, James. So I've got a couple items this week, and I always love giving our uh, our audience updates on previous guests and companies and how they're doing. So this week uh, in the news was Sigo Seguros. Uh, we had Nestor Solari on uh, a while ago, and um, they announced a, a fundraising uh, round of $5.4 million. Uh, this follows uh, kind of an initial pre-seed financing at $1.5 million 10 months ago. Uh, just to remind you guys, they founded in 2018, based in Austin, Texas, and they provide auto insurance really targeting the Spanish-speaking community. So they're live here in Texas as of August of last year and looking to expand to more states in 2023. And um, they really kind of you know refined underwriting, removing predatory tactics and fees, have a mobile-first solution. So just really you know targeting kind of this underserved community. So. Congratulations to uh, Nestor and the whole team at Seagull Studios. Always excited to uh, see their their progress. And then the other item I've got this week is um, you're kind of speaking of flood, uh, James. Uh, this has come from RMS. Uh, they said that non-modeled disaster losses are a growing component of insurance claims. And this is definitely something that got my attention. It's in their report that came out 2021 catastrophe year in review. 
And they said that a lot of secondary perils, which tend to not be modeled, um, are a lot of the secondary effects that follow a primary peril, such as hurricane-induced flooding, storm surge, hailstorms, tsunamis, and fire-following earthquakes. And um, we're just seeing that these events are a lot more challenging to really kind of uh, get our arms around from a cap modeling community. Um, and they're really increasing the price tag for insurers, uh, even things like contingent business interruption, infrastructure damage, Supply chain disruptions, of course, that we've seen in demand surge and even cited uh, the uh, winter storm that we've talked about quite a bit, James, that we had back in February of 2021 uh, is really seeing a lot of losses that were kind of, you know, unexpected or unmodeled uh, following that um, relative to the failure of our power grid here. So it uh, just feels like the costs are ever rising despite all the technology well, and our ability to kind of get a handle on risk is uh, still still working. I want to remind you, the other thing nailing the cost is that it co it's costing a lot more money than the original replacement cost estimates to, to repair uh, damaged uh, cars and, and buildings. And that's really hitting uh, bottom lines hard at insurers um, that the uh, – just the raw repair, material costs, lumber costs, labor costs—they've all gone up. Seven percent inflation is BS. There's no—we're not—we're at like fifteen. Uh, we're we're not. The official rate is garbage. We need interest rates to move up a full half point to a point right now, and the government has to stop deficit spending quickly and uh, and cool the economy down because it's gonna it's gonna continue to cause premiums to have to go up to pay for all the uh, the expanded losses. By the way. Back on Nestor Solari, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Uh, he is an incredibly entertaining and, and uh, uh, vociferous user of uh, of Twitter. Uh, so <laughs> I've I've followed him since our initial interview, and he uh, let's just call him an active Twitter user. Um, yeah, he's 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 about as busy as Mr. Musk. He like he, he likes to be he on is, it. He's a great guy, quite a character. Yeah, he yeah. is. And and I'm, I'm you know in other Twitter news I'm excited Elon bought about ten, just about about ten percent of Twitter, uh, and and you know got himself on the board and it said significant changes coming soon and I I think it uh I think it'll be a win for uh, for censorship uh, for actually you know not having censorship and uh, I I I think that uh, you know Elon has learned how to really use Twitter to uh, get messages out and doesn't like the uh, the the censoring nature of things and he has plenty of money to go buy 10% of the company and get on the board. And so let's call him a, an activist investor. Cause he actually recently amended his filings and, and recategorized the nature of his investment. So uh, let's call him an activist investor, but one who has a, who has a very personal vested interest in making sure Twitter remains open and free. Uh, also news for all my insurance friends out there. Of course, this week is the masters. Yours truly just flew back from Augusta. Got to catch day one. Uh, Tiger is there. Uh, he looked great. Uh, he he had a hard time bending over and and kind of looking at his lie and on the greens. But other than that, he uh, he looked really really good. And uh, it was an absolutely packed and I mean packed day one. It, the Thursday looked like a Saturday or a Sunday. So uh, Jim, I know that you're an avid golfer. Uh, it's good to see the Masters back in full form, isn't it? Uh, it's just awesome. And, you know, it, rem it reminds me like how much I enjoyed watching Tiger 10 years ago. And, you know, I know he's had his, his ups and downs on a personal side, but the reason I love the guy is because he's, he's an awesome golfer. Yeah, yeah. And so I can't get enough of it. Like I've got it on record. Don't tell me about any scores today because I can't wait to watch it oh. tonight. 
Okay, so I won't mention today's scores, but we can just say that Tiger finished one under. Yet he finished one under yesterday, and uh, you know he he hasn't even teed off yet today. So you know the uh, the front the first first group went went last today. So uh, he he's in the afternoon. So you 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 haven't you haven't missed him. Uh, and I'll I'll Excellent. leave out I'll leave out the rest of the leaderboard. But uh, let's just say I think it's going to be a very competitive Masters. I'm very excited about it. I hope all my friends out there in insurance land who like golf are excited about it as well. Uh, it's uh, it uh, it looks to be a uh, a very interesting uh, very interesting year. And I can tell you this, having just been there because I went for the practice round on Wednesday and then day one on Thursday, it's packed. There's there's a lot of people there, and they are very excited to have golf back. Yeah. And uh, and uh, it was a uh, I've never been before. How, how did how did you find the weather? Like I've heard, you know, the weather's up and down or it was, yeah, it was, it was dicey. So Wednesday, it was, uh, Wednesday, it was, uh, all kinds of scattered thunderstorms all over the place. And then, uh, and then Thursday morning, it was supposed to be clear. It ended up being low clouds, wet and raining all night. In fact, that the, the, you know, the short-term rental house that we were in got struck by lightning and it took out our cable cable internet. Like just to tell you, like it, there was some pretty nasty weather Wednesday night. We show up Thursday morning to the golf course. It's soaked, and um, you know everybody had pretty muddy shoes in the morning. Um, but the sun came out. The Augusta. You want to talk about a study in business? I mean, talk about a hell of a business model. Uh, they, you know, they don't let anybody put their brain on anything around that. And it, and it is, you know, no technologies allowed on the course at all. No phones, no, no cameras, no ads, no billboards, no, no ads, no billboards, no mention of anything. Yeah. It is the classiest event sporting wise I've ever been to. They control their own stream. They have very, very few TV ads. I mean, they, they have really protected the uh, integrity of this tournament. And, um, it, but but they also use the hell out of technology. You, you know, they got their first telephone lines installed underground in 1941 to to for their scoring system. Was in 41 they started calling wow. in the scores. Yeah, and 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 they got they were they were one of the first sports events broadcast on the radio. Not the first, but they were early in the radio broadcast game. They were early in the TV game. They, I mean they yeah. they 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 have technology everywhere. Every green has a blower system installed underneath the green that extracts the water from the green. You can hear it when it's raining. You can hear the blowers going full tilt when you're away from the green. You can't hear it on the green, but away from the green, you and you might actually be standing over the fans. It's blowing. You know, It's amazing the amount of technology they use um, in the course. I've never seen anything like it. But they hide it. Yeah, you know? I, I I was streaming um uh, a little bit yesterday, and there's no question they're using 4K cameras. Like, I mean, the quality. Oh, yeah. I was like, damn, this is like as good, if not better, than my TV. And that was a live yeah. stream from the Masters. Yeah, and no one's allowed to bring any of their own video or, or cameras, so the only images and shots you're going to get are from them. They have, and this is the only course I've been to that has permanent scoreboards and permanent video camera stations installed on the course it's the only place i've ever been and they're all covered in green so you you almost don't notice them because everything is so green and lush there they they hide and tuck camera guys in corners and they cover everything in green it's it is it's it is the most incredible business i've ever seen i've never seen a business run like this i mean it's uh 
Yeah, love it, it was and it presents so well on TV. You know, I, know. I mean, it's I love it. I can't yeah. wait to watch it. But they could because they control everything. They control the broadcast and the cameras and the direction. <laughs> they they control everything. And, and their in their merch store, you would have thought people were in a Bucky's in Texas, man, because they were they were running in. You can't run. Sorry, you get kicked out if you run. But they were walking briskly into the merch. And it, the the word is that they sell a million an hour of merch, a million dollars an hour of merchandise. Oh my gosh! Wow. And and I and I believe it. From what I saw, I, I totally one hundred percent believe they actually do that kind of volume. It, it was. Uh, yeah, it looks like you picked up a nice shirt. Yeah, uh, from yeah. There, got, right? got a got a shirt. I got I, I got a, I got a lot more than a shirt. Yeah, I got a lot more than a shirt. <laughs> good, <laughs> they, good. Yeah, I got. I mean, everybody does. I mean, you go and. and and you know they still keep the food prices the same as they were 50 years ago. So, uh, you know, the pimento cheese sandwich was a dollar fifty. The uh, chicken sandwich was three bucks. The chips were like fifty cents. I mean, it, it's yeah. I read that uh, the supply chain kept them from doing some sort of peach ice cream sandwich or something. So you missed yeah. out on that, I guess. Co- correct. Yeah, but they've they've done like it, it's it's uh, uh, I, I honestly can't say enough about it because it's the most unique oh, sport. It's the most unique sporting experience I've, I've, I've ever seen. I've had so many people say that, like you know, when they come back, they're just like, oh, "You got to go once." Like, it, yeah, and that's so great to hear that you had a great experience. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go. Just at least, at least once. Uh, I will not be going just once. I'm. <laughs> I have to go yeah. back now. Yeah. I like going did on. Know, did you know that um, that Matt um, Augusta members, their membership goes up for renewal every year. Yeah. So every year you're on the potential list of being kicked out and that yeah. drives this like, you know, awesome behavior and politeness. <laughs> yeah. and if you, if you send the wrong guest, like, you know, that's a reason for you to be kicked off the list. Cause I'm sure the waiting list is long, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, they it, just they, have a good system. Yeah. They got a crazy good system. Anyway, um, onward and upward, uh, Rob Galbraith, thanks for joining today. Absolutely. Great to talk with you guys. Great to meet you, Jim. Continued success at Raven. Awesome. And Jim, thanks so much for being here. This has been the InsureTech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge. It's jbknowledge.com. It's all about technology. It's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith. That's endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, Kara Dalton, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next week.